0: Hello again. Good morning. I, I hope you've had a wonderful, wonderful week in the Lord. And that has been a time of blessing for you. And a time of anticipation of how God is using you. We should wake up every morning with that excitement and anticipation. God, how are you going to use me today? Just knowing that he, he's going to do it. Uh, And sometimes I'm not even going to be aware that he's really using me. He does. He's using me. For this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it because he's given me another day to glorify him and to share his name with those that he would have me to share it with. To encourage and to have kindness and gentleness and and goodness towards those he has given me another day and we just want to thank him for that and what we want to look at today is somewhat learning how to rest in the lord and we want to do that through the word of god how do we learn to rest in the lord Let's pray and let's just give him thanks. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for another day. Thank you for ministering to us through your word. And we pray, Father, that you would guide us, that we might have understanding of the life that you would have for us. Give us the strength, the courage, the wisdom to walk in the path that you laid forth for us. And Lord will give you praise. In Jesus name. Amen. Isn't it strange that. We are a people who worry. And fret. And are fearful. And the Lord has told us. He hasn't given us the spirit of fear. The Lord has told us to fret not. The Lord has told us. Not to grow weary in well doing. And. And. By worrying, we can't change one hair on our head. And yet we do. And it seems like we're in this long marathon. We have ran 28 miles and we can't see the finish line. And we're tired. Well, the word wants us to come to a place where we just rest in the Lord. We rest in the Lord. Jesus even brought his disciples apart to a place that they could rest with him. Because in this Christian life, we need a resting place. We need a place where we can go and just rest and just recover from what we've been through. And the Lord invites us to such a resting place. But we need to understand that we need to be able to know how to get there. What is it that keeps me from getting there? From resting in the Lord, trusting the Lord, having a sense of security in the Lord. What keeps me getting there. Would you open your Bibles with me to 1st Peter chapter 2 and verses 11 and 12 and the Lord is going to share with us just very quickly that which kind of like keeps us from getting to a resting place with him. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens, Oftentimes we describe an alien as someone from out of this world. They're not of this world. They're from a different world. And that alien is different than who we are as people here on earth. And yet God uses that word to describe Christians that we are aliens. We are a group of people who are different than the people of this world. And I don't know sometimes as Christians if we really realize that God intended for us to be different than the people of this world. And in being different, that we would also live differently than the people of this world. We would not have many of the habits that destroy us and hurt us that the people of this world have. And he says, consider yourself aliens. And then he says it again, strangers, strangers, that you're strange to the people of this world by the way that you live and the way you talk and the things that you do is strange to them, and this world is strange to you, that you're not really comfortable in it, in doing the things that the world does. And he says, boy, you're, you're aliens and strangers in the world. In this world which we live, if you're truly born from above, You are an alien. You are a stranger to this world. You're different. And it's okay to be called queer. It's okay to be called different. It's okay to be laughed at over your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's okay that people say that you're weak or you're this or you're that because of your walk with the Lord. It's okay. And we have to come to a place to understand we're not here to please this world. And that's why we're so different. That we're not here to please this world or to have this world, in a sense, or the things of this world to be our main pleasure and joy. That we find that in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, in this, he says this now to abstain from sinful desires. Now, he puts that adjective in front of it sinful desires. All desires are not sinful. I desire to love my wife, that's not sinful. I desire to love the brethren and the sisters that are in the church who are part of the family of God, no matter what their makeup may be or their background or their ethnic background or their color or what they look like. Uh, I just want to love them. I desire to love them because they're part of the family of God. And that is something that we have to come to a place. We don't pick and choose who we really love. We love those who are in the body of Christ. no matter where they come from, what their past may have been, because we all have a past. <clears throat> no matter what they may have done in life or what they look like in life. Jesus says, They'll know that you are my disciples if you just love one another. And that's a desire that we have to have. That we love one another. And that's a good desire. It's not a simple desire. It's a good desire. It's a profitable desire. It's a desire that helps us to walk with our Lord and Savior and to be at rest. Because we're not troubled any longer by race or the sinfulness of race or thinking one ethnic group is better than another because we're not people of this world we're people from above and he goes on and he says now abstain from sinful desires which war catch that now that war, that that fight against your soul. That you and I have to be aware of these things that fight against the soul designed to have peace and rest and joy in the Lord. You have to guard yourself because there's things in this world That will cause you to drift away from the Lord. That will cause you not to be obedient to the Lord. And when you're not in fellowship with the Lord. You're not going to find the rest. That is needed for this body and this mind. You will not find the rest. Because the God of this world, Satan. He wants to keep you so tied up in knots that you can't rest. And yet the Lord wants us to find rest in Him. He knows what we go through in a day, in a week, in a month, what's going on in our life. But He also knows we need a rest from it. And He says, it's a war. Anybody knows who's been in war, you got to have a break from that or it will break you down. He says, which war against your soul. And when you're in war and you're in a constant battle, it will break you down. It will cause problems in your mind, in your body. you got to be able to step away from it sometime and just rest. And not feel that you have to fight for every little thing in life. And he says, it wars against your soul. It wars against that which is within. That God calls to arrest. But if you desire to just stay in this worldly battle. If you desire these worldly things and if you desire that which is wrong for your soul, you're not going to find the rest. And he goes on, he says now, <clears throat> in verse 12, live, in such good, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they do what? They accuse you of doing wrong. But it's not wrong because you're living in such a way That it exemplifies you. It glorifies you. It's different than how they live. But they really can't bring a charge against you that will stick. That has any weight to it. Live such good lives among the pagans. Where? Live such good lives in this world. In which we live in. Because if you live like this world, you're not going to find the rest of God. You won't find rest in God. And you're trusting this world to give you a break, to give you rest, to give you peace, to give you a joy that it cannot give you. He says, live in such good lives, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. There's a purpose in it now. That they're able to see something and understand this is not of you. And that you really are different. You are an alien. You are a stranger. You are different. Yet you live in this world. And they figure it out that this is not of you, but this is of the God in whom you believe in and you're trusting in. And those things that you do, those good deeds, is not so much that you're glorified. It says, and glorify God on the day he visits us. That what you've done bring glory to God, but it also glorifies you on the day in which Christ himself comes to receive us. It says something about your life, that when Christ comes, he says it glorifies God on the day he visits us. That what you've done in such a way have glorified him. And what you do that glorifies him will not be forgotten. And on his day of visitation, the day in which he comes to receive you unto himself. It will not be forgotten, but it will be rewarded. And you will find rest in the Lord. From your labor. From your work. According to Revelations 14. That you will find. Rest. For your soul. Now. He says. Understand your aliens. Understand your strangers. Understand that you are different. And when you understand that. It does bring. little bit of rest to your soul because you can begin to understand why things sometimes go against you so badly Uh, those things that you're wrestling with those things that you're warring with uh, that they're there when you go to Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 with me he says woe to those who call evil good and guess what we're aliens, we're strangers. We're not calling evil good. We're not calling the things of the world good. And we should not be ashamed to call them what they are. That we're not calling two people just living together because that's what they want to do marriage. That's not marriage. That's everything that marriage stands for. There's no real commitment there. There's no real love there. It's two people who have come together to satisfy each other's little needs, fleshly needs. But there's nothing about love there and security and trust and faithfulness to one another. And yet the world would have us to say, that's okay. The world would have us to say, oh, every life, let's celebrate it. And I know I might take a little hit on this, but understand something. Having a child at a wedlock breaks the order that God has ordained. God ordained a woman and a man. That woman and a man can become a husband or a wife only through marriage. They do not become a husband or a wife just playing house. But in marriage, they become the husband and the wife. And because they become husband and wife, they can become what God also calls them, a mother and a father, but I want you to look at the order in that God has ordained. That before a woman ever becomes a mother, she should first be called a wife. Before a father ever becomes a father, he should first be called a husband. And that's the order that God has placed. That man moves from the position of just a man to a husband to a wife. For the woman, it is the woman, the wife, the mother. That's the order that God has ordained. And when we jump over that middle one and we just go from mother, from wife, from woman, to mother, is wrong. We just go from Man to father, that's wrong. Without first becoming the husband or the wife to another. And I'm not just talking about another as two women or two men and one them trying to play the role of the opposite sex. No, that's wrong. That's that sinful desire at work. And here in the book of Isaiah, In verse 20, he says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, that we should be able to distinguish the difference between day and night. And because it's day, we were at work because it's day, other things take place other than what takes place at night. And we don't get that confused. You don't get night and day confused. It's either day or it's night. There's no confusion in that. But we have become confused about what is really right and what is really wrong. And when we do not know what is right or wrong, our souls will not rest our minds will not rest. And what God wants us to do is rest. But to be able to rest, we have to get rid of those sinful desires. And we're going to really rest in the Lord. And he tells us that we exchange who put bitter for sweet And sweet for bitter. He gives us those little illustrations that let us know about good and evil. Who will eat that which is bitter and call it sweet? And that which is sweet and call it bitter? Sugar is never bitter. It's always a sweet taste to it. And we know that some of us have a sweet tooth. We know when it's sweet. And we enjoy those sweet things. Now, understand, all those sweet things may not be good for you. (laughs) But I enjoy a real nice chocolate cookie or chocolate cake or chocolate ice cream. I just enjoy chocolate. And it's sweet to me. Some of that stuff out there is not too sweet and uh, uh, it's not that enjoyable to me. But yet, we have to be able to distinguish between what is sweet and what is bitter. When it's day and when it's night. We have to be able to distinguish it. And I don't care how we might put it. There is something different. If you really notice, if you've ever worked second shift or third shift, if you really take note, you'll know there's a difference between night sleep and day sleep. And it seems like night sleep is much more restful than day sleep. It's just somehow it's different. And it does cause the body to rest and to be revived differently than if you just sleep during the day. And he says he wants us to know the difference. See, that's what's going to distinguish us between the alien, the stranger, and the people of this world. That we really know the difference. The people of this world, they just accept anything. The Christian cannot accept anything. That doesn't mean that I embarrass people or I try to put people down or I try to make myself better than people, no, but I recognize wrong being wrong and right being right. Good is good, evil is evil. And I recognize that. Today, just because two people say they love each other, the world says that's good. When two men say they love each other in a sense as a man and a woman should love each other, that is wrong. That is wrong. When two women speak in such manner, that is wrong. And somebody has to stand up and say that's wrong. That's not good. It may happen. But that does not mean. It's really good. Or that it's ordained by God. And should be accepted. And we who are. Aliens and strangers in this world. We don't accept that. Because we know. It has not been ordained. By God. And. We find rest. And speaking truth. And we have to speak that truth. Because that's going to give us rest. In the Lord. Now when you go to Jeremiah 23. Just one book over from Isaiah. Jeremiah 23. And verse 14. And following down just a little bit. He says. And among the prophets of Jerusalem. I have seen something horrible. They commit adultery and live a lie. Now, in the church even, or what many people may call the church but not really the church, he said there are those who may look like Christians, there may be those who wear a collar like some Christians do, there may be those who put on a robe like Christians do, there may be those who say this is I am I'm a Christian but they're not he says and among the prophets of Jerusalem I have seen something horrible they commit adultery and live a lie they are the ones who do not consider themselves to be aliens or strangers They have all the sinful desires of this world. They may call themselves Christians, but really they're not a Christian because they do not see themselves as strangers in this world or alien in this world. And in that type of life, even though they are saying they are a Christian, you will discover they have no rest. There's always trouble in their life. There's always a crisis in their life. And you'll see this one issue. There's something they're always at that goes against what the word of God says. And yet they feel at peace with it. But yet there is no peace in that life. And he says, they commit adultery. But look what he says now. They live a lie. The truth is not there. The word of God is not there. The word of God that would hold them and sustain them and keep them is not there. And he says, they live a lie. (coughs) Excuse me. They live a lie. There's a lot of people today who say, They are a Christian. They're a they're a pastor. They're a prophet. They're this, and yet they live a lie. He says, "I see (coughs) something horrible." Excuse me. Got these sneezes. I have seen something horrible is something that God despises that He's seeing But they're not They're not aliens They're not strangers to this world They're chasing after their sinful desires And when you chase after your sinful desires you will not find rest in the Lord you cannot have rest in the Lord and he goes on he says they strengthen the hands of evildoers when you are busy speaking against God's word rather than for God's word you are strengthening the hands of the evildoer And that's something you don't want to do. Why? It confuses you and you do not find rest in the Lord. He goes on and he says, They strengthen the hands of the evildoer so that no one turns from his wickedness. And when you live in wickedness, you will not find rest. When you live in wickedness, that thing that is horrible and detestable in the sight of God. You will not find rest in God until there is repentance and until God calls you out of it in a sense and give you victory over it, you will not find rest. Then the question is, do you desire it? Do you desire to be out of it? Do you desire to have victory over it? The sinful desires. And that doesn't mean because those who really call themselves Christians and walking with the Lord, that they're perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm still working at it. But I do confess my sinful desires. I do Talk with the Lord. Now, because I have sinful desires, does not mean I act on sinful desires, because it's through the confession that those things cease, even in thought. And we have to acknowledge that. And he tells us in Corinthians, 10, to bring everything under the captivity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, even those sinful desires have to come under the captivity and the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in order for us to have rest. That has to happen. Now, I want you to catch this also with me, that he wants me to find rest. And in doing so, he does something. He revives our soul. And he is going to do that because I'm looking to rest in him. I want to rest in him. Now, the question I would ask you and pose to you, do you love just being in misery? Do you love just being out of the will of God? Do you somehow treasure the things of this world more than you treasure the things of God? Excuse me these sinuses are going all over the place and he said in Psalms 19.7 if you'll turn there with me he said now I want you to look at how the word is so specific in this just straight he simply says the law of the Lord or the word of the Lord look how he describes it it's perfect The word of the Lord is perfect. Now, look what it does. Reviving the soul. Reviving the soul. Reawakening the soul. Restoring the soul. Bringing the soul back to where it should be. Because you do not find rest until you've been restored, renewed, refreshed, brought back to where God would have you to be. Then you'll find rest. But as long as you're out here in the world doing the things of the world, you won't find rest. And he says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord again, the word of the Lord—he's revived. He bring them back to your mind. He bring them back into your life. And he says here again, the statutes of the Lord. I catch this, are trustworthy. Are you trusting God's word? If you don't trust God's word, you'll never find rest. You have to be willing to trust God's word. Because it's in God's word where you'll find rest for your soul. And the soul realizes that. And it hungers and thirsts. For the Word of God. Now, I want you to go with me to Psalm 62.1, and we're going to somewhat camp out there because I want you to capture what it's going to say in Psalm 62.1. And also realize this you have to be willing to abstain from sinful desires. If you're not willing to do that, you're not going to have rest. You're not going to have peace with God. You will get along with the world, yes. But understand this the world's not going to advance you. The world's not going to really cause you to have progress. Any progress you make in the sense of the world will eventually slip away from you and be gone. It's only a temporary thing that the world entices you with. But it calls maybe sometimes success in order to only allow you to have a great failure. So in Psalm 62, one, he says, my soul finds rest. Now, now catch what he's going to say in God alone In God alone. Is there really rest from the hectic world that we live in from the rat race that we're involved in from, All the things that cause us to worry and to be troubled and to be frightened of. There's only one place that we find rest. And he says, God alone. In God alone do we find rest. We don't find rest in getting with a lot of people and partying. We don't rest. We don't find rest in a bottle. We don't find rest in some type of marijuana or smoking some type of drug. We don't find rest in a counselor, per se. We don't find rest but in one place. Rest for our souls. Rest for the weariness that takes place on the inside of us. He says, in God alone. In God alone, do I really find rest? Rest and some people will never find rest cause they're not willing to trust god they're not willing to come to the lord jesus christ that he might introduce them to the father that they might truly find rest in the godhead and he said my soul finds rest in god alone he says that he he says that with certainty As one who has experienced it, one who knows it, who has found rest in all the troubleness of this life, in this world. David says, I found rest in God alone. And he goes on, he goes goes a little further, and he repeats it in verse 2. He says, he alone is my rock. A rock is something that is solid. It's a a foundation. It's something that is sure. Something you can stand on. And it's not up and down with the world. It's something that you're able to stand there, no matter what else is going on, and sense a security about you. And he says, He alone is my rock, my foundation. And he goes on, he says, he is my fortress. That God, in a way, builds something around me that protects me from all those fiery darks of the enemy. From all those things that the world tried to entice me with for all that deceitfulness that comes from the world that tries to throw me down or to cast me down or to destroy me. He said, God builds a fortress on my behalf. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. I'm not shaken because of what? Because I'm resting in who? God. I'm trusting in who? God. And I will not be shaken. I will not be thrown off the path that God has set forth for me to walk. I will not grow weary with it. He says, I will not be shaken. Now that's something for you and I to grab hold of because it's important for us to understand that we're not going to be shaken by the things that sometimes we don't clearly understand. We're not going to be shaken by something that is just frightening to us. We're going to stay the course. We may not understand it clearly, but boy, I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to stay the course. And he goes on and he says, He says, How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down? This learning, this leaning wall was tattering the fence. They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless but in their heart they curse. He gives us a little picture of this world which we live in. That this world will assault us, attack us. That this world wants to just throw us down. That yes, sometimes it looked like we're leaning and we're about ready to fall. He's painting this picture of this individual. And he said, the world, they fully intend to topple him, to take him down. You need to understand that as a Christian. This world will fight to take you down, to topple you, to destroy you. They fully intend to topple him. For his lofty place. His security. His place in Christ Jesus. With their mouths they bless. But in their hearts they curse. Two things the world will do. It seems like they want to bless you. They want to cause you to be successful. and They want to see you profitable. But on the other hand. They want to see you defeated. And they curse you. They want to destroy you. So he paints that little picture of this world that we live in. But then he comes right back because, see, this is the war that we go through. Even with our sinful desires, we have to tackle with the world here. And then he comes back in verse 5. He says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Not in the world. He goes right back to that very first verse. You find rest in God and God alone. Even while this is going on, you're being assaulted. You're trying to be toppled. You're trying to be pulled down from your lofty place. That they even will pretend to bless you while they're cursing you. You're the good guy, but on the inside they're saying you're the bad guy. And they're doing everything they can do to topple you and bring you down. And he says, the only place you find rest from this battle. From all of this. Is in God alone. And then he comes back. My hope is not in the world. My hope is in God. And he's the one who gives me hope. In verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock. He goes right back to that Verse again in verse 2. That he alone is my rock. And my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. He restates that to himself. That he does not find rest in no one but the Lord. And he goes a little further now. And he says something that God gives him. That sometime the world will somewhat try to imitate and, and try to put us on a pedestal, trying to make us feel good about ourselves, uh, like we've really done something. And all that is the, the deceitfulness of the world. Because those who will put you on a pedestal today will be trying to knock you off of it tomorrow. Those who praise you today will curse you tomorrow. That's just the world which we live in. Those who honor you today will speak about how unworthy you are of it tomorrow. But look what he says here in verse 7. My salvation and my honor, and look where it depends, depends on God. My salvation and honor. My respect, or self-respect, and I may use the word even pride of being a Christian, depends on God. And that's why I find rest. I don't find it in the world, and what the world says about me, or how the world honors me. But how God sees me, And for me to understand my honor, my respect, whatever it may be that is given me by this world, it depends on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. And as you come on down to verse 8, two things we do. And we have to really capture this if we're going to rest in the Lord. We have to capture these two things and we have to put them into everyday practice in our life if we're going to find rest in the Lord. He says first in verse 8, trust in Him, not some of the time, not part of the time, just when things are going great, trust in Him at all times. I have to learn if I'm going to rest, that I am trusting in God in every situation, all my circumstances, all my problems, everything that's happening in my life, I turn it over to God, I cast that care upon Him, for He cares for me, I'm able to exchange the yoke that He'll take on my problems, I take on His, and that somehow I'm believing God to overcome or empower me to overcome these things that I'm facing. Boy, that's that's a lot for us to do. But it's something that you and I have to master that we're trusting God in all things. Not in just a few things, not in most of the things but in all things, all things concerning this life of mine has to be in the hands of God. And I turn all things over to him that I'm learning to trust him. Now, listen to the second thing that I have to learn to do. Pour out your hearts to him. Old people, learn to pour out your heart to him. Give God everything. Don't hold nothing back. Believe what scripture says. There's nothing too hard for God to do. Believe what Scripture says, that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Understand that you have to talk with God. There's no better counselor than God. Now, somebody's saying, well, if you already know everything, I don't have to tell him anything. Yes, you do. Because he wants to hear it from you. Not that he already knows it. It's like a young man who does something wrong and he's kind of worried about saying it to his dad that he did this. But dad already knows he did it. Dad's just not saying anything. Why? He's waiting upon his son to confess it and tell him what he did. And that's what God is waiting for us to do sometimes. To just come talk with him about what I did, what my wants are, what my desires are. He wants me to talk to him about everything in life. And that's why I said, Old people, pour out not just the good things, but the bad things also. Whatever is on this inside, if the soul's going to find rest, have to find a way of releasing. A line to come up and out. It has to sometimes just come out. Have you ever had one of them upset stomachs? It doesn't get better until it comes up and out. And that's the way sometimes with life in that inner man, in that area of the soul, until it can come up and out, the soul doesn't find rest. And we have to be willing to talk with God. Why? My soul finds rest in God alone. My soul finds rest in God alone. And then he moves on to verse 9. And he speaks, he says, Low born men are but a breath, the high born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, They are nothing. Whether you are up here or you're down here. If I put you on the scale, neither one of you are nothing. Whether you're low born or high born. Whether you're intelligent or ignorant. If I put you on the scale in the light of God, you're nothing. And that's hard for some of us to accept because we are fighting so hard to be a something. And I am a something in Jesus Christ. I am valuable to God. But in my natural, unforgiven state, I am really nothing. And he simply says to the low born man are but a breath, the high born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, he includes both now, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do you realize you're only a breath away from God? From death itself, you're only a breath away from seeing God. That's all you really are. (coughs) That's all we are. A breath away from really seeing God. And he goes on, he says, Do not trust in exhortation or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Though your riches increase, don't take pride in stolen things. (coughs) But understand this, that I put all my trust in God and I rest. See riches is never going to satisfy us and sometime we may go after riches through stolen goods and we've cheated we've lied we've hurt people to get them and he says but well, take pride in stolen goods through your riches Though your riches increase, do not set your heart. Do not allow your heart to be deceived about these things. You have to be willing to abstain from these things. You have to realize you are a alien, a stranger, and... In reality, you don't have need of these things, per se, in this fashion. Sinful desires you do not have a need of. And he goes on, he says, One thing God has spoken. Two things have I heard. That you, O God, are strong. God is able to provide. In this world... God is strong. God is the strongest individual you will ever know. Who's able to give you rest. Who can deliver you. Who can build a fortress around you and keep you. And he makes this statement that is so true. That you and I have to believe also. He says, one thing God has spoken. Do you believe that God has spoken on your behalf? Do you believe that God has spoken that you may have rest in him? Do you believe that God is able to speak rest unto your soul? And to calm you in the midst of the storm. He says one thing God has spoken. And God is strong. God is powerful enough. To back what he says. Boy that's something. God is powerful enough. He's strong enough. To back what he says. And he's not a liar. He, he's not like man. He has no need to lie. Has he not spoken and has he not done it? He has. And he's strong enough to do it. And in closing... He says in that verse 12, And that you, O Lord, are loving, surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. He rewards us over what we have done. And i want to take you all the right way back to the very first. If you desire and you seek him For rest. That's something you have to do. If you seek him for rest. He will reward you with rest. He will allow you to be sustained. And not crushed. Not destroyed. Not to live life without hope in him. He will reward you according to what you have done. My soul finds rest in God alone. Have you done that? Have you put yourself in the hands of God and trusted Him? and hope in him and in him alone. He will come through. That's the reward. And he's strong enough to do what he has spoken, what he has said. He will do it. Don't trust in riches. Don't trust in the wrong ways of acquiring riches by Stealing and lying and cheating. And being a deceitful individual. A deceitful individual. But he will reward you. And he will give your soul rest. If you do it. In the proper manner. And that you see yourself. As an alien. A stranger in this world. And not one of this world. And you are sustaining from your sinful desires. He'll see that. And he'll give you rest. According. To what you have done. Boy. We have a wonderful God. We have an amazing God that wants you to have a peace of mind. That wants you not to be troubled on the inside. Not to be fretful. Not to be fearful. Not to be worried. But to trust him. And rest in him. But you also have to desire to put away the sinful desires of this world in order to rest in him. I hope that you do it. I hope you go back through the scriptures that we just looked at in this lesson. I hope that you wrote them down and that you would really pray over them and ask God to show you what he would have for you in all of this. That you might find rest in Him. And He's the only one who can give you rest. Well, God bless you. May God keep you. May you have a wonderful, wonderful week in the Lord. And may you rest in Him because you are in a battle. You're warring against those things that want to destroy your soul, that want to destroy your inner peace. You're in war. But God wants to give you rest. Seek him. Learn of him. Desire him. And know the rest that comes from him. Amen. God bless you. God keep you. Have a wonderful week in the name of the Lord. See you next week.